When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome to the Princeton LaxCast. I'm Jerry Price. I'm joined by Princeton head men's lacrosse coach, Matt Madelon. Coach, welcome. Hey, Jerry. How are you? Welcome. Good. How are you doing? All dried out? Yeah, for the most part. Um, yeah, it was a good one last night. Um, and it was actually a really nice night on down at 52. I mean, it was pretty warm outside of the outside of the rain. That's actually two straight times that you've scheduled a Tuesday night game on the second game of the year, which means it's the third week of February. And the average temperature of those two games has been about 65. I don't know if you remember the Colgate game was pretty warm two years ago. And last night was uh, was warm, but it was raining. I do. I mean, last night was surprisingly warm. Um, and the rain, actually, we were anticipating it be much worse. Um, and it held up for the most part. Uh, it was actually a really nice evening. Yeah, it was. And uh, one bef- uh, before we uh, dive into things, um, uh, number 22 made his uh, – made his uh, broadcasting debut and a lot was made afterwards of scoring 22 goals on two 22 22 with 22 on the broadcast but I don't know if you did you get a chance to go back and listen to him at all I actually did when I got home last night I got to listen to the broadcast and, and first off that my Ashley my wife she texted me the two 22 22 you had hit me immediately um, it's actually really cool what a wild coincidence um, he was wonderful from the get-go he did a really really nice job um, I think Obviously, Cody set him up and was helping him, you know, get going, get off and running. But, you know, Michael really did seem like a natural. And he really, you know, he, he gave, he obviously gives Princeton a lot of credit and his insight into our systems and our coaching staff and our players was wonderful for the call. But he did an outstanding job. You know, I think of when I listened to Ryan Boyle do the PLL stuff, and he just does such an incredible job pointing out the simple things on the field that you may, that may not catch, you know, catch the regular viewer's eye or ear. And 
I just think he did that really well. Just talking about the different types of dodging, the different type of motion and the spacing. And, you know, when Binghamton first snapped into a zone, um, I mean, Michael might've picked that up before some people on our sideline picked it up. So um, it was awesome. It was, it, you know, I'm smiling uh, on the other end of this, just thinking about how well he did um, obviously makes us proud, but uh, no doubt he could have a future in that. Yeah. I was also wondering if you think he would be a good coach. I think he'd be an outstanding coach. I mean, there's a, you know, we, we tried to pull him into this, you know, pull him into this career, but um, you know, he just knows, you know, from all the college athletes and all the college lacrosse players we've been around um, and we've had some really impressive ones with some really high lacrosse IQ and athletic IQ come through, you know, Princeton knew my time at Stevens, but to see how Michael really digested the game um, and trained himself, but then also, really watched films so critically of himself, of others, of system development, skill development. Uh, yeah, he's got a great eye for it and he's got a great way of communicating too. So he's got, he's got an absolute fire in him. Uh, I mean, I think there've been three guys in all the time I've been watching Princeton lacrosse who have that kind of, you know, there've been a lot of smart guys who come through Princeton lacrosse, high lacrosse IQs. There's three guys who stand out to me. John Hess, Ryan Boyle, and Michael Sowers. And when you're in the company of those other two guys, that's that's a statement. Holy cow, you're not kidding. And Boyle and Hess. Hess would also be awesome on the call. We should consider getting down for one. Um, he'd be great. But no, Michael, again, like he has such a good eye for it, but he really did put in the work. I mean, he he worked tirelessly at, you know, coming into the office, putting in the film sessions, um, and really developing his lacrosse IQ. And then where he became great was when he could transfer that and be a great teacher and teammate on the field. Yeah. I mean, I've always like, it's not a, great players don't always make great coaches. Uh, but I, I sort of feel like he would, he would have a very, very big leg up on, on trying to be a coach given his uh, just his complete understanding of everything to do with the game and his ability to get your attention. You know, he's one of the, he's, He's not a big guy. He's not a physically intimidating guy, but he gets your attention when he speaks. And I think that's why he was so good on the broadcast too. We very much agree. We agree. So let's, we're going to, we'll, we'll start with the two games that you've already had. Um, you know, uh, big win 22, six over Monmouth, 22, nine over Binghamton, uh, two teams that figure to be in the mix in their leagues, but not ranked teams. Uh, good way to get back onto the field, good way to shake the rust off. Uh, what do you take away, if anything, from those two games? Really, for us, still a work in progress. You know, we scheduled those games strategically. Um, we knew coming back after two years off, um, scrimmaging, allowing ourselves to scrimmage twice, which was the first time Princeton has ever scrimmaged, scrimmaged twice in the preseason. So, knowing that we were going to give ourselves two scrimmage opportunities and then two game opportunities before we really tackle this stretch of games coming up. Um, for our coaching staff, it was just opportunities to figure out who we are. Um, you know, like I had mentioned before, we, we thought we knew who we were. We thought we had the pieces in the right spots, but you play, you get some injuries, you know, some guys are maybe more physically matured than you had anticipated. And then maybe some guys, lacrosse IQ wise are doing a much better job in the systems and the framework of our systems. So we're still kind of shuffling some pieces around. And I think it took these two games um, to really continue to help find ourselves and really kind of solidify some roles. And, you know, we've still got some shuffling to do a little bit, um, but I think we're in a pretty good spot moving into this stretch. 
This podcast is brought to you by RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health system of Princeton Athletics. To learn more about services and locations, visit rwjbh.org. Let's be healthy together. We want to thank RWJ Barnabas Health, the official health system of Princeton Athletics, for sponsoring the podcast. I tried to do that as well as Carla Baruby did on the women's basketball one. She was pretty good. Too. That was great. Um, is there anybody who caught your eye who uh, you, you said, and, and I think I know the answer to this, but you were like, well, you know, we're asking a lot more of this guy than we've asked in the past. Uh, let's see how he responds and has responded very well. Is there anybody who leaps out at you? Sure. I mean, I'll start on the defensive side. I mean, we, you know, we're throwing pace billings right down in the mix as a, you know, recruited LSM and now playing on the base as a, as a close defenseman for us. And he's covered some of the top matchups and he's doing a wonderful job, you know, just within our defensive systems and communicating with coach Hirsch and his teammates and making good slide decisions and really be able to attack his one-on-one matchups. And then also on the defensive side, just some of our young defensive midfielders are transition middies as we've termed them, you know, Marquez white, in there, you know, very, very early. Joe Jung, Joe Younger kiss in there very, very early. Um, so Luke Crimmins, who's been primarily an offensive midfielder the past couple of years, now down on the defensive side. So all three of those guys, you know, they although they lack spring game experience, um, they've done a really nice job for the start of the season. And then offensively, you know, again, we're kind of taking this approach as a as a, a shoot it, a share it and shoot it offense, you know, guys that really move the ball and you know play unselfish lacrosse and cut hard and pick well and screen off ball well and I think obviously you've got mainstays like you know Chris Brown Brownie and Slusher um, but just putting guys in the mix you know Tommy Barnes getting his first attack a couple starts down at attack Christian Ronda playing up in the midfield Sam English playing a little more offense so there are a lot of guys that have really started to kind of find their roles and then even getting young guys in like Sean Cameron Coulter Mackesy um, so a lot of guys have really been stepping up and developing so uh, you know, you mentioned uh, Slusher as a guy that you called him an experienced guy. He had five games worth of experience coming into this season. You have, we talked about that. You have a lot of guys like that who seem like they're more experienced than they are. Uh, you know, he's certainly made a big jump from his freshman year to now. Sure, you're right. I mean, it's it's almost a you know, I almost misspoke. I would say experienced in the in the sense of experienced within the culture and 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 the program of Princeton Lacrosse as they've been around for a little while, even throughout their gap year, um, but inexperienced game-wise. And again, that was the strategy in terms of scheduling how we did right off the bat to prepare ourselves for this stretch. Uh, you mentioned Ronda. You know, he had a great game against Monmouth. He, he had a very good game against Binghamton as well, uh, giving you a lot out of the midfield. Uh, and Slusher, uh, he, he already has more goals and assists than he did in the five games of 2020. So these are guys that, uh, you know, you really need to rely on moving forward. And that leads us right into the stretch coming up. So you have Saturday at one o'clock in College Park, Maryland. It'll be against number one, Maryland. After that, it's number three, Georgetown on the road. After that, number five, Rutgers at home. After that, number 10, Penn at home. After that, number six, Yale at Yale. And that ends your stretch of five games against top 10 teams, except it's possible that Brown, who you play after Yale, might be top 10 by then. So Absolutely. They're a great program. That's that kind of, We continue the stretch right into that. Um, right. So, so. Your, your schedule that you have created for yourself is quite challenging. Before we talk about what Maryland brings to the table, talk about the obvious question is, how do you think your team will respond to being thrown into the fire now? I mean, look, I, we, we're kind of all chomping at the bit. We can't wait. Um, you know, we can't wait to prove ourselves and see how our systems stack up and, 
and get out and play physical and play fast. So, you know, I think the guys are ready. I think, again, I think is, you know, we've really messaged these guys well throughout the first part of preseason and the first part of the season of just really trying to get better every single day, um, be a great teammate, be a great competitor, um, and continue to develop on both sides of the ball. So, Stretch, look, we, you know, year in and year out, we're going to try to do that with our schedule. We want to try to play the best teams in the country. We want to try to prepare ourselves well. So when we get into the Ivy, you know, in terms of our Ivy games, you know, we're battle tested so we can take a run at the Ivy League tournament. And then we want to potentially earn ourselves, a, you know, a second route into the NCAA tournament by playing an outstanding out-of-conference schedule. So um, fortunate, you know, although we lost Hop in Virginia uh, to be able to bring you know, Maryland and Georgetown under the schedule should be two wonderful games. Yeah, I mean, the plus side is that every opportunity now is an opportunity to, to have a big win and to have a big win on your resume come May. Let's talk about Maryland. It's a team that went to the NCAA championship game a year ago, uh, was the favorite in that game and lost to Virginia. They've lost some key pieces, including uh, Jared Bernhardt, the Tuaraton Trophy winner. I know you are close to the Bernhardt family. Um, do you talk to Jesse Bernhardt, their defensive coordinator this week, or you just see him when you get down there? No, we haven't, we haven't caught up this week, but not, not intentionally or unintentionally, just, um, you know, we're both kind of busy we're, with us three games in seven days. He knows, he knows the crunch over here. So I think we're both trying to just prepare our teams, you know, with obviously with Maryland, with Maryland losing Jared, um, he was such a big piece for them last year. And it's a little bit us, it's a little bit like us when 22 departed from our offense, you know, they're kind of retooling, reshaping, trying to find some faces. They've got some mainstays like Logan Wisnowskis, you know, down there. That's kind of our kind of Chris Brown. And, you know, so somewhat similar, um, but what a heck of a program. I mean, year in, year out, Coach Tillman, his staff, you know, they they put together a wonderful product. You know, they, on the field, big, physical, buttoned up, never seem to beat themselves. Uh, very good systems, ride clear, uh, excellent man up, man down in the specialties, always very competitive and good around the face-off X. So um, we obviously anticipate a great one. And then, you know, they've done a wonderful job in the off season, uh, whether it be in the transfer portal or with graduate transfers or just kind of filling the voids or filling some of their voids and really bringing some top talented guys into their program. So um, they've put a heck, they've put a heck of a product together. Um, we're excited to play them down there. This yeah, I mean, they, they look very much like a team that that doesn't really have any actual weaknesses that, uh, you know, has areas that are stronger than other areas. But you don't look at them and, and say, OK, we can exploit this because they're weak here. And, you know, the other thing that really uh, I know. So I was standing on the field when the Maryland team walked off the field after the national championship game and they were obviously disappointed in the loss. But I could not help but notice how big they were. They were just a physically large team. And your team now has that, that kind of size as well. And when you go out recruiting, how big a deal does size play in the, in, in the, in the, in the players that you're looking at? It matters. I mean, look, we're always, you know, I, when coach Mitchell joined our staff, you know, we just evaluating our offensive personnel, we knew we had to get a little more size down there. Um, we've always recruited, you know, to try to find the best lacrosse players that play the game very fast, that think fast, that make decisions fast. This is a game where speed does kill. Um, so we really do pride ourselves on being fast. And that's really where we've kind of tried to take our program and recruiting in the high performance aspect and bringing Mark Ellis on and the feed the tiger, excuse me, the feed the tigers program and really trying to develop and teach and coach that speed. Um, because that is exactly how we want to play. We want to play fast. We want to be fast defensively so we can get out and cover and match feet. We want to be fast offensively. So we're winning one-on-one matchups, drawing slides. And then, 
you know, clearly we want to be fast in between the lines. You want to get ahead of the ball um, and we want to be able to push tempo there. So speed's a big thing. And then when you can complement that with size, um, you just become more more difficult to cover. So an absolute focus of ours um, starts with speed, uh, size soon after though. Now is the best time to plan your windows, doors, or siding project. Give Lawrenceville Home Improvement a call at 609-882-6709 for your free estimate on the highest quality products with superior installation practices. When it's time to improve your home's appearance and energy efficiency, remember Lawrenceville Home Improvement, windows, doors, and siding. Find them on the web or visit their showroom today. This is your first road game of the year. Uh, there was the trip to Boys Latin in the fall to take on Towson in the scrimmage, but it's the first time you're going to get on the bus. You're going to go to the hotel. You're going to have to do all the things that you do on an away game. For me, I've always sort of felt like it takes on the feel of a business trip. And I think it's, I've always seen teams that are able to focus a little more when they travel versus when they stay at home where things are a little more, a little looser sometimes, but uh, you know, what's your take heading into the, the first road trip and also the idea of forgetting the game itself, just of the, uh, you know, the way you build teams uh, and you build programs and you build culture. And a lot of that also happens on bus trips and, you know, as you, as you travel. It does look, we're really excited. It's why we, tried to schedule our fall scrimmage down at Boys Latin to give our program that experience. We've been away for two years, so we didn't want our Maryland trip to be the first time we were in a hotel or on a bus. So scheduling that trip in the fall, playing Towson and Drexel down there, getting our guys in the hotels, understanding kind of our policies and procedures about how we travel, the expectations, the level of focus, the understanding of a business trip, but yet the the fun and team building culture piece of it as well. Um, we're obviously chomping at the bit. It's an exciting time. You know, I think every, you know, as a former college cross player, I think some of your, my most fond memories are from those road trips, hanging out with your buddies, eating these meals, getting in your hotel room. So um, I know our guys will enjoy it. Um, you know, obviously being in an Ivy league school and being a prince, we've got the, uh, the obvious hurdle of our travel roster. Um, and it's probably the least fortunate, you know, it's probably that my, my, least favorite part of this job um, is trying to prepare a group of 50 guys um, that bleed sweat, tears, everything into this program on, on a day in and day out basis in the weight room and the film room and the classroom on the field. And then, you know, come game day, we only are allowed to travel 32 guys that get to experience that. So, um, you know, we've been working tirelessly to kind of try to change those, what we think is outdated policies. Um, but you know, just uh, just a small little hurdle into into this experience this weekend. Uh, lastly, before we let you go, uh, we are talking to players on the podcast this year. This week's player will be Chris Brown. Just talk a little bit about him. You know, I think he is about as underrated a guy who's ever come through the program. He's a guy with at least one goal in every game of his career. He's you know going to finish his career among the all-time leading scorers at Princeton. He's never even been an honorable mention All Ivy League selection. Just talk a little bit about him, his consistency, and the way he has appeared to have raised his game uh, heading into his senior year. I think he hit it on the head. I think that he is an underrated player, an undervalued player, uh, not within our program um, and not within our locker room and not from our coaching staff, but just a guy that day in and day out comes in and works, puts the work in. Um, he is tough as nails. Um, he is an absolute worry. I don't think the young guys, I don't think he's missed a practice since he's been here, um, and a little on a game. So, um, I think that that speaks to his consistency. Um, but 
where he really developed was, you know, look, he was doing an outstanding job his first three years, but then he got to take this COVID year. And I think, you know, his relationship with Coach Mitchell and just the emphasis on skill development and individual skill development and developing his game, not just as a wing dodger, um, but as a as a dynamic scorer, as a dynamic feeder, as a deceptive shooter, um, and really putting more pressure on him to understand the ins and outs of our offense so we can become a vocal teacher and leader on the field um, is where he's taken huge steps for us. And that's outside of just his 6'3", 220-pound frame that he can thump you with. Um, he's got great poise. He's great stick protection. He's got good ball control. Um, and again, his toughness is, 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 is very impressive. So we're really proud that Brownie kind of, you know, dominating down there on the left side and kind of quarterback and giving us a, a really veteran presence down there um, on our offensive side. So uh, we expect big things from him. Uh, we ask a lot of him, um, and he's stepped up to the plate every single time. Well, Coach Madelon, thank you so much for being with us. Uh, we wish you luck this weekend at Merrill. We'll be back next week to talk to you, and we'll be back to talk to Chris Brown. But thank you for being with us. Thank you, guys. Go Tigers. We'll be back with more on the Princeton Laxcast right after this short break. Looking to get away this weekend but don't want to go far? How about a last-minute getaway to the Princeton Marriott at Forrestal? Nestled on 25 acres of lush woods and just a few minutes from campus. Enjoy tranquil guest rooms, state-of-the-art health club, indoor pool, and a full-service spa. Stop in for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, craft cocktails and local beers at Iron and Ivy. Plus, their 2,100-square-foot M-Club Lounge takes relaxation and convenience to a whole new level. If a wedding, reunion, or other social event is in your future, the Princeton Marriott has a variety of event spaces, indoor and outdoor. Located on College Road East across from the Forrestal Village, explore all the Princeton Marriott at Forrestal has to offer at PrincetonMarriott.com. Back here on the Princeton Laxcast, I'm Jerry Price. I'm joined by Princeton senior Chris Brown. Chris, welcome. Thank you, Mr. Price. Thanks for having me. Mr. Price, uh, yeah, it's, uh, you're the first person who's called me that on one of these podcasts. Um, before we get into... Uh, into you and the season, how it got started. Uh, so two things. One is last night on the, or uh, uh, Tuesday night in the game against um, Binghamton, Michael Sowers was the color commentator, made his debu debut. He always called me Mr. Price, called everybody Mr. Something. I'm sure he called you Mr. Brown for that matter. Um, and he was very good. And on the women's basketball podcast, I was talking to Grace Stone and I asked her, if she ever wanted to get into broadcasting or, and beyond that, who on her team would make the best coach one day? So I'm gonna ask you those two questions to get you started. Who on your current team do you think one day would make the best college lacrosse coach? And who on your current team do you think would be the best broadcaster someday? Okay, yeah, no, we actually came back and listened to a little bit of Mike just to see how he did and he did a great job. It was pretty impressive. You, um, I likened him to Tony Romo. It was like listening to Tony yeah. Romo do football. I mean, obviously the knowledge of the game is impressive, but just even like the way he was able to keep up, no stuttering or anything like that. Um, something I couldn't do for sure. So it was great to hear. Um, I would say best coach would definitely be Jamie Atkinson. A little bit of a lax rat, kind of always looking around, sending plays to our coach Mitch as well. So that's an easy answer for me. As far as color commentator. Might be the um, same guy. Yeah, definitely him. I was thinking also maybe Bear Lockshin. Also has got that voice, got a little bit of that charisma as well. So those are two guys I would uh, I'd pick right there. But I'm sure there's some others. I'll have to think about it a little bit more. But as far as coach, I know Jamie's definitely, he's over his gap year, spent some time coaching his high school team back home as well. So 
that's an obvious choice. So let's talk about you first, then we'll get into where the team sits as it heads into this huge five-game stretch against teams ranked in the top 10. Let's talk about you, and let's talk about the fact that you are, at least I believe, one of the most underrated players in the country and one of the most underrated players who's ever come through Princeton lacrosse. And I say this because of the guy who was doing color commentary in the Binghamton game, Michael and Phil Robertson, when he was there, got a lot of attention. Um, and then you were just always the steady guy. Uh, you know, it's amazing to me that you've never been all Ivy League, let alone all American. And if you look right now, you have back-to-back seven-point games. You are, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you are currently sitting third in the country in, uh, in excuse me, fourth in the country in points per game, third in the country in assists per game. And you've just been a very steady force your entire career. You obviously have the long goal scoring streak. Talk a little bit about uh, you, how that's felt to you, you know, to, to not get any of the individual recognition despite the production that you've put forward. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, I mean, I don't really try to focus as much on like that individual stuff and individual recognition. Um, you play, you mentioned like Phil Rob and a guy like Mike, they just make your job like 10 times easier as far as really trying to be in the right place at the right time. Um, definitely missing those guys this year, but I think this year we're really trying to have that emphasis on like the ball movement, sharing, then every game someone's going to step up. Um, so just trying to play that type of offense and kind of have my role wherever I can. So two games in, it's a much different look. It's not find Michael on every possession and let the offense run through him. Like you said, it's a much more balanced look. Uh, in the first game against Mammoth there were seven guys with at least two goals in the game against Binghamton. There were 12 guys who scored. Some of that obviously was uh, subs who got into the game, but really if you look at the starting attack and then the first two midfields, that's a lot of depth and a lot of players who can uh, score and who can feed and who can dodge and do it all. Um, just talk a little bit about how the offense has changed and what the, what the philosophy is this year versus how it's been uh, since you uh, have been there. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of hit the nail on the head there as far as depth. Um, we have a bunch of guys all who have different skill sets and all who can attack defenses in different ways. So um, for us this year, it's really about just ball movement and drawing that slide and kicking it. And like you see a lot of the goals we've been scoring. Majority of the time, the guy who does like majority of the work to score the goal isn't the guy getting the assist or isn't the guy getting the goal. He's a guy dodging, drawing the first slide, getting that defense moving. And then it's just whoever finds the open guy ends up scoring. But yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun to play with. It's just going to be a ball moving offense and everyone's going to get take their turn. Are, are you aware of the goal scoring streak? Do you go into a game? Uh, I've heard of it. It's not something I pay too much attention to, honestly. Um, but I, I definitely heard other commentators or other people mentioning it. So I'm aware of it, but it's not something that's in my head. So most of the guys in your class took the year off and came back specifically to play in this season. How tough a choice was that for you individually? And what did you do on the year off? Yeah, um, so it was definitely a little bit like nerve wracking, just like making that big decision with a lot of unknowns going forward. Um, spoke with a bunch of alumni, all who graduated and said I'd be crazy not to. And then, I mean, hindsight is definitely the best choice as far as a great year off, getting a lot of perspective as far as like trying to enjoy every day out here, every game, um, taking nothing for granted. And then over the gap year, I was able to work virtually um, for pretty much the whole year. So I got a chance to travel a little bit. We had a group that went out to Park City, Utah um, in the fall. So they able to live out there with a couple of guys, train, kind of go exploring. Um, good time with COVID to be able to go and like go national parks and kind of be outside a little bit. 
And then I actually went to Austin, Texas in the spring for a few months. So still a good chance to spend a lot of time around all of my teammates. Um, obviously, the people enrolled were on campus in the spring, so I wasn't able to see them as much. But it was definitely a good experience and glad to be back as of now, though. So when you first came to Princeton, did you expect to step in right away and make the impact that you've been able to make? Did you think it was going to be a learning curve? Did you have any ex expectation? Not particularly, honestly. I remember coming in um, all fall of my freshman year, I was fighting to try to play on that midfield line, like one of the top three or two midfield lines. And then I didn't get moved to attack until I think it was after the first scrimmage of the spring. So didn't have any expectations, just try to keep my head down, keep working hard. Um, and yeah, I think everything worked out pretty well. So not to turn this into reality TV or anything, but your longtime girlfriend is Kyla Sears, who also has at least one goal in every game of her career. Are you guys competitive? Do you talk about this stuff? Not really. I mean, we definitely like go back and forth as far as like bouncing ideas off each other, or, like how teams do. We definitely follow. You know, they had a big win um, at Clockner on Saturday, but not competitive. But I guess if we were, I'd be I'd be in the losing end of that that category. So she's had a great job and they have a great season so far. You're aware of, of Tom Schreiber is married to Kat Sharkey, right? And um, yeah. Kat Sharkey, uh, Schreiber at Princeton had 106 goals and Kat Sharkey had 107. And I, I just, I have to believe that she will never let him forget that. But oh, I'm sure. Yeah. So let's, let's move ahead now. So uh, the two opening wins were good. It was good to be back on the field, obviously. Uh, what, was, what was the feeling like uh, just to be able to get to play again? Yeah, it was awesome. I mean, it was definitely riding high, especially the mama, the first couple possessions, a lot of motion coming out. Um, and then honestly affected our play a little bit. I think everyone's trying to make plays a little bit. Once we were able to settle in, start playing our game, kind of came back into the flow, just have played so many lacrosse games, got back to the norm, back to that comfort level. Um, and it was great to see though. But yeah, it's been a long time for us. So at this point, just trying not to take anything for granted, enjoy every moment we have out there because this is my last year, it's my last go around, so can't waste a day. So the, the two teams that Princeton's played so far are unranked. The next five are ranked in the top 10. It starts Saturday at number one, Maryland. Then it's number three, Georgetown, number six, Rutgers, number 10, Penn, number five, Yale. That's a lot in five weeks. That's a, uh, a real barometer of where your team stands. It's two league games. It's three opportunities to take down top five or six teams. Uh, it was, it's, it's sort of similar to where the team was in 2020, where didn't really know where the team was after the first two games and then went beat Virginia Hopkins and Rutgers in games that weren't very close. Uh, what are you guys thinking about as you start this stretch? Yeah. I mean, they're basically, we have high hopes for this team and high goals, but at the end of the day, like if you want to get to where we want to be, we have to beat these teams who are all ranked. Like you got Maryland, Maryland was in the national championship game last year. So it's going to be a good test for us. We love the fact that it's on us. Like we have the chance to play these teams. We have the chance to prove where we think we are. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to go out and compete and do our best on Saturday and going forward. But yeah, we wouldn't have it any other way. Definitely want to play these types of teams. And these are the teams where they've been to the places where we want to go. And that's deep in the May. So we, we talked a bit about the depth that your team has offensively and defensively too. There's a lot of long poles. There's a lot of short stick middies. What your team does not have is a lot of veterans and even guys like Alex Slusher, who's off to this great start, he's only played in seven college games. So your team is relying heavily on guys who have not been through this before. 
what do you think for them going into a game like Maryland? Do you think that you just have to go and do it and you learn from it and, you know, you take each possession as you go? Do you think that it takes a little bit to sort of uh, feel your way through big moments like that? And then what does it mean for the, the senior leaders who've been there before? Yeah. Um, from our perspective, we're just trying to preach that, like, just play your game. Like, at the end of the day, like, yes, we're playing Maryland, but we believe, like, we have a top defense, so we play every single day in practice. And these guys, they don't have a ton of game experience, per se, but they're going to get against some top defenders every day in practice, and it's going to be the same thing. So it's a little bit of managing emotions, not trying to do too much and just playing our game. But I think the more game experience we get, is going to might be a little hiccups here and there, but it's going to be better for our team. So we'd love to see you go deep into May and love to see you get the individual recognition that you deserve. But when Princeton lacrosse is over, what is next for Chris Brown? Yeah, um, I'll be in New York uh, working full time, be working for a consulting firm there. So definitely enjoying, enjoying this season right now because it's going to be my last, um, but trying to stay in the moment. But yeah, I'll be, I'll be in New York going forward. Well, Chris Brown, thank you for being with us here on the Princeton Laxcast. Wish you luck at Maryland the rest of the season and appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. For Chris Brown and for Princeton head coach Matt Madelon, I'm Jerry Price. Thank you for being with us here this week on the Princeton Laxcast, and thank you for your continued support of Princeton men's lacrosse.